Amen. Well, good morning to you. God's good, isn't he? Um, well, good morning. We're, this morning, we are going to start a new series. We were in that series uh, until every person knows for a good while. And now we're going to go into another series. We're calling it On the Move. And the reason for this is the, the next section of Acts, the book of Acts that we're going to look at, we've been going through, um, is really where we see Paul moving around from place to place. He's, he's kind of going from place to place. A lot of it is he's moving pretty rapidly um, from place to place at times. Some places he'll stay a little longer, but the, 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 basically what we see is that he's moving from city to city, from church to church. Um, where we're going to be reading is actually uh, the beginning of Paul's third missionary journey. And he, the, the book of Acts chronicles three different journeys that he takes. Um, and this journey is, is pretty cool because what we're gonna see is he begins to go back in what we're reading today and he begins to strengthen, encourage, equip the churches that um, he set up, he, he established in the first missionary journey. Um, and so we're gonna be reading out of Acts chapter 18. We're gonna begin in verse 23. And I want us to look at Paul and what it says Paul is doing um, as he's going around. And I want us to look at uh, another couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla who um, run into a guy by the name of Apollos. And we're gonna look at what they do with him and see how that affects the church. And I want us to begin to understand a little bit more of what Paul's doing as he moves around, specifically today in this area of strengthening, equipping, encouraging the church to be the church, to be what God created the church to be. And so let's just go ahead and jump into Acts chapter 18 and verse 23 is where we're gonna pick up. 18.23. So Paul has gone back to Antioch, which is kind of his home base for a while. That was the end of his second missionary journey. Now in verse 23, we're picking up with the third missionary journey, the third journey through uh, this, this area, these different areas that Paul's been evangelizing. And so verse 23 says this, it says, after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now, when he talks about Galatia, that was places like Iconium, Lystra, Dur, places we read about earlier on in the book of Acts where he went and began to establish churches, evangelizing those cities with the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus with people. So now he's going back and he's strengthening all the disciples um, as he goes through these places. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. So Ephesus is one of the cities that Paul had been in. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scripture. So his Jewish background, his study has given him this great knowledge of scripture. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now, people debate what was it that he didn't quite understand? What was it that um, was missing? Uh, nobody knows 100% for sure exactly what that was. What we do know is that Apollos was doing a good thing, but there was something that was missing in his teaching. He wasn't quite as prepared as he needed to be. 
he spoke with the power of the Spirit. He spoke with great fervor. Um, he, he was passionate for the Lord, but there was something missing. And so Achilles and Priscilla, they bring him into their home and they begin to explain to him the way of God more adequately. It says, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Now let's take a second. I want us to flip over to Ephesians chapter three. So go to the right in your Bibles, go through Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. You'll come to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter three. Now, I want us to see a little bit of what Paul is teaching as he's going around to these places. Now, this was a letter that was written later, but Paul's letters that he, he wrote to these churches, and Paul wrote this letter of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, it gives us a clue as to what he was doing as he strengthened people. I want you to see that the book of Acts, if you take the book of Acts and you kind of pinch it together in your Bible like this, the book of Acts does not stand alone um, just kind of dangling out in space by itself. These other letters that are written by Paul, these are interwoven in through the book of Acts. Some of them were written at the end of the book of Acts during Paul's imprisonment in Rome. But what I want you to see in this is these letters give us a glimpse into what Paul was doing and teaching these churches as he was going in from place to place as he was on the move. Now listen to this because this is huge for us. In Ephesians chapter three, look at verse seven. Paul speaking about himself. He says, I became a servant of this gospel. The, the good news of Jesus, this, this story of Jesus, this account of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation, the good news of Christ, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So God's given him this gift to do this, this grace to do this. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And listen to this, I want you to, don't want you to miss this. He says, this gift of grace was given to me to do these things, even though me and of myself wasn't good enough to do them. This grace was given, this gift of God doing for him, in him, through him, what he could not do for himself. He says his intent through this was that now through the church, you and I, the body of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for your word and its truth. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that as we have celebrated and experienced already this morning, there is no other name like the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, that you still break chains, you still set free, that you are faithful today, tomorrow, and every day after. God, I thank you that right now, the faithfulness of your word, Lord, the, 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 
the seed, Lord, of your word will sink deep into our hearts, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that it would produce fruit, that we would be challenged, encouraged, and that we would move, as, as Chase said, as he prayed at the end, Lord, that he felt something shifting. Lord, I pray something would shift in our hearts today that we leave here different than we came in these doors, Lord. We love you, God, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure most of you can probably relate to this, but um, and, and think of situations in your own life like this, but um, we've all probably had experiences where we thought we were ready for something and we weren't quite ready. Um, for most of you who have children, that was one of them, right? Um, maybe you thought you were ready and then when that baby came and you're like, oh my gosh, right? You don't know what to do. And um, for me, I've had a lot of those different types of experiences, whether it was in work or um, in sports or whatever, I thought I was ready. I get into that moment and I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. Um, even in ministry, times when I thought, okay, I'm ready for this and I just wasn't ready. Um, and one of those times, not long after I got saved, um, I was asked to teach the Sunday school class at the church that I was at and at that time. And uh, so the passage that I was gonna teach on was the parable of the talents. And I was fired up, man. I had not been saved that long and I was ready to go, and so I taught this incredible message on the parable of the talents and how we all have talents that God's given us. Little did I know until after I taught that lesson that the talents represented actual money, not physical abilities. So when that was pointed out to me in front of everybody after I'd spent an hour talking about this parable, it was quite embarrassing, right? And so uh, we've had those times where we felt embarrassed, and I encourage you with that, that look, as you step into uh, serving God, you step into different areas of ministering to people, you're gonna screw it up sometimes. And you just keep going. You just thank God for grace, and you keep moving, and you learn, and you keep stepping and going, because if you wait until you're 100% prepared to do something for God, you'll never do it. And that's one thing we can look at Apollos here, and we can commend him for, is he was going after God. He didn't have it all right, and then sometimes that can be dangerous, but he was doing the best he could with what he had. As we look at Paul in this, we look at Apollos, we look at Priscilla and Achilles, what we see is that Paul has put an emphasis on going to these churches and strengthening them, building them up. That Greek word for strengthening also um, means like to equip, to prepare, to strengthen. We see in Ephesians, and we're gonna see a little bit more in this, that part of Paul's heart was that they would be strengthened and encouraged as the church, as the body, in their purpose and who they are in Jesus. We see with Apollos that Priscilla and Aquila, they were willing to take him aside and bring him in and say, look, we love your heart. And they didn't really, they didn't even embarrass him in front of everybody. It wasn't like we might see in churches today where he's got something that's a little bit off or he doesn't quite have a full understanding. And then that guy stands up and is like, well, I hate to tell you this, but that's not what that means, right? The Greek actually means. No, they took him aside and graciously brought him into their home because what? They didn't just look at who he was then. They looked at this guy has got a grace gift. It's something God has put inside of him and it just needs to be tweaked and developed. And this guy is gonna be a stud for God. And they brought him in and they graciously began to develop in him something greater. And here's what's amazing 
about this, that after they had spent some time with Apollos, he wanted to go to Corinth. He wanted to go to the church in Corinth and they said, look, he's ready. Let's, let's encourage him and let's set him apart. Let's send him there. And if you go and read the first part of 1 Corinthians, you see this incredible ministry that Apollos had in Corinth. I wanna just flip over there just real quick. 1 Corinthians. Apollos is commending him. He talks about how, um, how he planted, Apollos watered, and how incredible this ministry is. It talks about in there how um, they were in these divisions and it talks about how uh, in verse four, he says, for when one says, I follow Paul and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? He says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? He says, only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. And so he's saying, Apollos had this incredible ministry among you, but you're not called to follow Apollos. You're not called to follow Paul. You're called to follow Jesus. We're just servants of God. And so when we look at this, this is incredible to see how this man who didn't quite have it all figured out, didn't quite have the full understanding, when people were gracious to bring him in and begin to develop him fully, he goes to Corinth and he has this ministry that God is using that in the eyes of the Corinthians rivaled the apostle Paul. That's pretty awesome. Like that's getting mentioned with the big dogs, right? That's like being a baseball player and they're going, you know, this guy, he's a lot like Mike Trout. Football player, this guy, he's a lot like Patrick Mahomes. I use those guys a lot because they make more money than any human being ought to ever make. And you think, but think about that. The best in their field. Paul's saying, look, Apollos had this incredible ministry. So much so that some of you are thinking like, hey, let's follow Apollos. No, you're there to follow Jesus. But I want you to see the power of this equipping that took place with Apollos. And we've talked about this a lot, guys, that the purpose here for this church is to connect and equip and send God's people to send people into the world to do ministry. And we've talked about how important it is for people to be equipped, but why is that important? It's not something we just made up. It's all throughout scripture that this is incredibly important. And I want you to get this, if you're taking notes and you wanna write this, this is something worth remembering. Equipping is important because it's connected to Jesus's mission. Equipping is important because it is connected to Jesus's mission. It's connected to our purpose, not just my purpose and your purpose, but our purpose. As we see in Ephesians chapter three, that the purpose of the church is to declare the manifold wisdom, the glory of God, the purpose of the gospel to the world around us, even to the heavenly realms, that they look at the church and go, Wow, now we see the wisdom of God um, that he was displaying in Christ, even though we thought it was a foolish plan that this man would be crucified. But now God has shown through his people 
that this plan is glorious and we see the wisdom of God through his people, the church. And there was this great purpose for this equipping because it's connected to Jesus's mission. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this, that I have a purpose and you have a purpose, but we have an even greater purpose together. Your purpose and my purpose are ultimately inseparable. Our purpose is the same, to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So until every person knows that Jesus is Lord, we are called to connect, equip, and send his people into the world. That is my purpose and your purpose together. To equip to sin, to be a place where people come in and they're built up, they're strengthened, they're encouraged, and they're sent back out into the world. But what is equipping? What is equipping? I want you to look now back at Ephesians chapter three. I want us to read verses 14 through 17. Paul stated this purpose of the church, and then he says this in 14. He says, for this reason, why? For the reason that God has given the church for this reason that I see this glorious vision of the church that God has created, for this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In other words, the sovereign God. I kneel before him. And he says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The first thing I want you to understand about equipping is there's a work of God in our hearts. There is a work of God that takes place in our hearts. This is where it has to begin. God's work in our hearts, his love for us, it is our motivation, it is what spurs us, it is what drives us. If our motivation is not right, then our intentions won't be right, then this Christian life will be a burden if I've never tasted that the Lord is good. I have no motivation to do what God's called me to do. I have no ability to persevere and to continue strong in the Lord. If I don't understand what God has done and I can't experience that not just in my mind, but in my heart, then I will struggle forever with the mission of God. I'll have no desire to grow into fullness. I'll have no desire to be equipped. I'll have no desire even for God himself and the entire Christian life will be a burden on my shoulders. But when I do know and I understand and the spirit of God has worked inside of me in the inner man, in my very innermost being, my heart has been changed by faith in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, then my motivation becomes not something that I just have to do, but something, God, I want to be a part of in your kingdom so that you are glorified in my life and in the life of your church. But it has to begin with a heart work. Ephesians 3, 17, the second part of that he says, and I pray, so he's prayed for two things. One, that God does this incredible work in strengthening them um, through his spirit in their inner being. And then he says, I also pray that you being rooted and established in love, the love that God gives, but also a great love for each other, that you're established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The second thing I want you to see is that it's also a word that God does in our minds. This word for um, to comprehend or to grasp, it literally means to lay hold of. And it's not just a knowledge in our minds like that, that I know something, it's something that I experience because he even tells us that this is a work that is to surpass knowledge, it's to surpass a mental ascent. It's a, it's a, a work that is so real to me that it's transformed my outlook on everything. And so I see things differently. I've laid hold of this great knowledge how wide and deep and long the love of God is. And it changes how I see everything. And so for me to be equipped, there's this work that takes place in my heart first. It creates a motivation for God and for his people and for his mission. And then there's this work that takes place in my mind, in my soul, in my spirit that actually lays hold of the truths of God and says, I'm gonna hold on to these and I'm gonna pursue God with everything that's in me. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 20. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Paul recognizes this and we need to understand this too, that what Paul is saying is I understand that this glorious vision of this new community, the church, God's people, transforming the world and displaying the manifold wisdom of God throughout the earth and even in the heavens. He's saying, I realize this is an incredible, huge vision. He's saying, I realize that what I'm asking, that your hearts would be strengthened and built up to continue, even in the face of of, of persecution, that you would persevere, that your minds would be set on Christ, that you could grasp even how great the love of God is. I realize that this vision that I'm putting out there is huge and it seems impossible and it can be daunting. And we can even look at it and go, it'll never happen in the world we live in. He says, but that's why I'm kneeling before the sovereign God. That's why I'm praying to this God who does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. And he's saying this not just about something that we want to happen. He's saying this about the church. He's saying, I'm kneeling before the Father because the Father can do this. You and I can't do it, but the Father can do it. He can do immeasurably more in and through his church by his grace than we could ever fathom or think. But this equipping has to happen through God's grace in our hearts, in our minds, through the spirit that we lay hold of the truth of who he is, his love for us, who we are in him and the grace that he has given us that empowers us to do these things. I wanna tell you real quick what equipping is not. Equipping is not. Listen, Ephesians 4.1, it says this, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says to live a life worthy. In our culture and, and in the way we think about this, typically we look at that and we say, okay, that's for me. That's for me personally. And certainly it is. We should all live lives worthy of Christ. But in this, I want you to see that as he goes on, he's speaking about the church as a whole, that we together live a life worthy 
of the calling we have in Christ. I want you to understand that equipping is not limited to your own knowledge, your own personal knowledge, your own um, uh, ability to uh, grow in your own relationship with God. It's not that we hear it all the time that like God wants a personal relationship with us and that is 100% true, but that's not all there is to equipping, like where you're able to just read the Bible and understand it. Like that is, we see that oftentimes like growing into Christ likeness. We see it oftentimes in the church of, of living a moral life, of, of doing these things. We see that as the ceiling, but scripturally, that's just like the floor. That's just like the beginning. In our culture, it's easy to read these texts and think, okay, this is for me, but we have to interpret it in light of God's mission, in, in view of a bigger picture. And so equipping is not just about your own personal piety. It's not just about us individually. It's about us corporately. When we look at this, this is something we really need to understand that oftentimes what we see as the ceiling is really the floor of Christianity. It's just a given. If you walk with Jesus, you're gonna become more like Jesus. So what we need to see is that there's something bigger here. There's something bigger that we're called to in equipping. We need to realize that in the American church, in many ways, we've equated the moral life to Christian life. It's just become all about morality. Well, there's a lot of moral people who aren't Christians. It's bigger than that. In fact, if I make my Christianity just about morality, then my life ultimately will be a moral failure. You may live a very moral life, but you have failed to fulfill the purpose and potential that God placed within you. God's got something bigger. I want you to hear me now. Listen, I know this might be kind of boring. I'm right? I want you to hear me right now. There are Apollos people sitting in this room and watching online this morning. Listen to these next verses. I'm not telling you you're gonna to go to another city and preach. That's not the only gifts that's important. We gotta look at this differently. He goes on and talks about how we need to be completely humble and gentle. This is in the context of community. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were all called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. I want you to see the, the communal aspect of what he's saying about a life worthy of the calling of Christ. And the, one of the things you need to understand when you think about how can I be equipped, you need to understand that it happens within the community of believers. If you wanna be equipped, it happens within the community of believers. Listen to podcasts, read books, all you wanna read them, but it happens when you are face-to-face -face with people being sharpened, being encouraged, being strengthened, the Spirit of God's working amongst you in community. We're not meant to do this alone. We all need people to help us. I was reminded of this the other day, I went to the gym 
doing a workout. I was by myself, been working out for a little while. And in my life, you can't tell, but hey, you know, we, we all struggle, try. And working out, did something I've not done since I started working out. I started probably when I was 12 years old. I know that's shameful, like. But I'm, I'm on the incline bench press. And I did, I was on my last set and I got to the last one and the last rep and I'm like, I think I can do this. And so I had it and I get it right here. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place before, but I got it to right here and I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting this. Here's the problem, I had no spotter. Nobody there to spot me. So I'm like, no, this is not happening right now. Weight just sitting on my chest. I'm like, this is not good. And I'm like, surely, I mean, Jim's full. I'm like, surely somebody sees me. I'm just looking around, I'm like, help, help. Nobody either, everybody was too embarrassed to acknowledge it or either nobody was just paying attention. And so then finally I look and there's a guy coming this way. Um, and, and I'm like, hey, 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 he's got earbuds in, oh crap. <laughs> and then here comes another guy. I'm like, hey, 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 nope, earbuds, can't hear me. And I'm like, somebody's got to see me. And so finally I'm like, all right, I'm not getting help. I mean, I'm, it felt like 20 minutes. I'm sitting there with weight on my chest and I'm like, nobody's helping me. I do so many stupid things, y'all. I just don't even know. And so finally, I'm just like, oh, all right, let my arms rest a little bit. And then I finally like bridge up, push hard. I'm like, oh, and I finally got it racked back up. And then I stand up and I'm like mad at everybody in there because I'm like, how did you not see this? And it just reminded me, even in that moment, I'm like, man, like, we're not meant to do this by ourselves. Like, the life is like heavy lifting, right? It's hard. We, we aren't meant to do this by ourselves. We need people in our lives that can come along and, and help, who can encourage and strengthen. We need to do that for other people. We need to help. We need to be there to encourage, strengthen, to walk with. We need people in our lives. We need community. We're not meant to do that by ourselves. I want you to see a video, a quick video of a guy who, um, he's not here anymore. He's moved to California, but we had the opportunity of him being a part of this fellowship. I want you to see a video uh, that really speaks to this. Check this video out. My name is Suresh. Uh... I've been with the Connection Church for the past few months, and uh, I want to briefly share my story, how I got here. I was working for an aerospace company in Savannah. I used to live with my wife and two kids. While the pandemic hit, I was laid off. I had to find another employment. And I was looking around, I couldn't find a job. So I decided to enroll for a master's program. I applied for Georgia Southern through a professor. The Gatos family offered me to stay in their house, free of cost, provided I'll attend the church and I will attend their family group on Fridays. When I came to the church on first Sunday, I realized that 
this church it welcomes everyone with the open arms so the very first sunday when uh, pastor brandon was preaching about a pity being very cheap emotion i realized that i should take this suffering with perseverance and the close the gap sessions helped me in knowing who the christ is to me and uh, realizing the fullness of christ also in one of those sessions he also assured me that whatever i'm going through will not last very long not only they have provided me with the accommodation but they supported me spiritually when i was in need of a prayer they always used to pray as a father i needed to see another parent how they are bringing up their children in a godly fashion i see professor eric praying every day reading scriptures with their kids every day every morning so before they do anything they start off with prayer was plugged into a men's group and in one of those sessions when we are reading from Romans 1 we came across this verse which says although they knew God they never glorified him nor gave him thanks at that time we all were like convicted and we couldn't continue and we had to take that moment and had to thank God this this was a amazing experience i think the same spirit operated in every one of us at that time out with a sense of confidence that i have in christ that whenever the trouble hits or whenever the enemy surrounds us like the song mountain says i know where to look and also the mission of this church until every person knows i want to contribute to that because i always been a shy person but god can use anyone That's really awesome. Um and and there's so much in there that we could unpack and and look at, but the thing I really want you to see is so much happened in Suresh's life because of community. Because the Gatos were willing to bring him in. Um you know, not every person's going to have somebody live in their home with them, but what if God puts that in front of you? But certainly we can all make space for other people to help develop what God's put in them. If you go on and read in Ephesians 4, it talks about how Jesus has given grace gifts to every one of us. And those things are in you. If you are a believer, God desires to develop those. But that happens in community. Too often times it says in Ephesians 4:12 that we're equipped for the works of service, the work of ministry. We think about ministry as like what the pastor does. We think about ministry as leading a connect group. We think about ministry as leading some area of ministry in the church or um some staff position or official position with the church. That's not it. Listen, we need to begin to think about ministry, about equipping, about even discipling people as being about relationships, not about functions. It's about being in relationship with each other. It's about doing life together just like the Gatos did. I mean, they're like, "Hey, you can live here, but guess what? You got to go to church and come to our connect group." Genius. 
right? But, but seriously, you, you're able to make space, make room, bring people in. The Christian life is so much more caught than it is taught. And doing life with each other is where this happens. Every one of you has a grace gift inside of you that God has put there that he desires to use, develop. But it only happens with each other. Some of those ways you can do that here is you heard Suresh mention a lot of these. He talked about close the gap. We're gonna do some more of those in April. Um, he talked about being in the connect group. Go and get signed up for a connect group or go to CEA, the equipping academy that um, started. That, that, that's in process right now, but that'll be coming back around. We've got the connect, uh, close the gap sessions where we try to connect the truth you know to an actual experience of that truth and teaching you to put yourself in a position to experience God in these different ways through his word, his voice, through fullness in Christ. There's, there's opportunity, y'all, but listen, it's not gonna happen if we don't engage in the community, if it doesn't have a place and a priority in our life. We need to understand that equipping, equipping happens through relationships. Here's the other thing we need to understand is that equipping, making disciples, helping others grow in Christ, it, it needs to be a part of who we are as believers, not a part of a church program. It should just be the way we think. That when I'm here and I'm talking with someone and I find out someone that is a new Christian and maybe I've been doing this for a while and you may not be, um, you know, have a PhD in theology, that's okay, but you know what you can do? You can grab that person and one other person and say, let's, let's just start walking through scripture. Let's learn together. This is not for people with degrees in theology. This is for Christians. And I can tell you this, when we realize that this is something everyone can do because this is what God's called all of us to do in being in community and developing one another, growing with one another, when we realize everybody can do this, we realize this is something that everybody is doing. And when that becomes just who we are, not something we're programmed for by the church, we will see God move in ways we never thought possible. See, disseminating information is not nearly as powerful as doing life together with Christ. And so I really wanna encourage you with that. Your first step in this, it might be the welcome class where we just kinda tell you a little bit about who we are. Maybe you're still sitting back there and you're going, this guy's kinda weird, I get that. Go to the welcome class, find out more about who we are. Maybe it's heart and soul where we really begin to dive into the gospel and the purpose of the church and what it means to be heart and soul here with us. Maybe it's you know, jumping into the uh, Connection Equipping Academy. Next time it rolls around, maybe it's a connect group. Maybe it's close the gap. Maybe it's just grabbing somebody you know and saying, hey, let's start meeting and reading the Bible. It's not hard. It's not hard to do. 
We just have to be intentional. We've got to make room. Got to make room. Got to make room. And watch God work. So I want to really encourage you with that today. That God has placed something inside of you that he desires to sharpen, to shape, and to use for his kingdom. A great work in your heart. A great work in our minds. A great work in his body and a greater work than we could ever think or imagine is possible. But it happens within a community of believers pursuing Jesus together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts. First of all, for you, Lord. Renew our minds, Lord, that we could grasp, take hold of the great love you have for us that we could grasp and take hold of your truth, that our worldview, Lord, would be transformed and changed to see things through your lens, through your word, Lord. And God, that we would be people who pursue you, not just alone, but together. That our lives wouldn't be moral failures, but God, we would fulfill the purposes you've created us for. I thank you for each person here, the grace gift in them, Lord. Would you draw that out of them by your great grace? In your name, amen.